Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and we are recording this show on Monday, November 11th, which is Veterans Day here in the States. Uh, though, sadly, Drew, if, if you're talking with Disney fans, they're not thinking about, you know, folks who you know spent their time in service and honoring them. They're thinking this is what, the Disney Plus Eve? It is. It's Disney Plus Eve. How you feeling, Jim? Well, first of all, we have to recognize that you were in the army. You served for this country. So we have to thank you for all that you've done. Well, see, but that's the, the thing is that I, you know, there were people who went to Afghanistan. There were people who went to Iraq. I went to Fort Devens, Massachusetts. I was literally 10 minutes away from my parents' house. I, I could drive home and do laundry. And, you know, not only that, my job in the, the Army, when I showed up at the base newspaper, they were like, geez, we have a photographer, geez, we have a news reporter, a sports guy. The only thing that's open is entertainment writer. Would, would you like that job? And it's like, it's like, let me get this straight. You know, my four years I'm in the service, my job is go to, to go to the movies. And it's like, <laughs> it's, so, I, again, that's one of the reasons why on Veterans Day, you know, the, there were those who served and there were those like me who went to the, the refreshment stand and got popcorn and, and a soda and said... Well, I was going to so. say, don't let that stop you from picking up your discount at Olive Garden today, because um, <laughs> there is something. I got an email about it, so you should definitely go and, and pick that pick that up. Do that tour of Italy, Jim. You might not have served in Italy, but you can do the tour of Italy. Well, you know. there we go. That, <laughs> all right. Anyway. Okay. So, again, November 12th, uh, we, 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 after all of this hype, uh, we finally get Disney+. Plus. Um, so, uh, Drew, you've been to, at this point, multiple Disney Plus media events. Uh, yes, and I've written, I think, more about Disney Plus than probably anyone else at this point in time. So, yeah, I've done I've done it all. Mm -hmm. uh, I talked to Tony Hale for Forky. I've talked to the stars of The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. I've done it all, Jim, and I'm ready for Disney Plus. Well, all right, so let's talk with the one that they put in the front window, which, you know, again, is the, the reboot of Disney's, you know, hand-drawn uh, film from 1955, Lady and the Tramp. Did that work for you? It did work for me. It is very nice and very mm -hmm. safe mm -hmm. and does not rock the boat too much, but it's a beautiful-looking movie. Mm-hmm. The performances are great. The animation is really spot on. I mean, it, it's not like a babe thing where they animate the mouths. They actually switch out the dogs with a digital double. And it's pretty seamless, all things considered. And I love that all the dogs are rescue dogs. That really makes me happy. I think I'd heard that Alan Horn rescued one of the uh, tramp uh, sort of stand-ins, which is mm -hmm. really cute. And Yvette Nicole Brown from Community also took one of the dogs home. So... It, that 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 whole thing makes me very happy, but it, it's a really nice kind of, you know, little weekend programmer. You know, you're not going to think too much about it, but you can put it on and fold laundry and and be happy. You know, and that's great. Now, I, I love that you said weekend programmer because face it, that's what I think a lot of people don't understand about Disney Plus is that you know these days, especially with Disney owning uh, Lucasfilm and Marvel and Pixar and that sort of thing, so many of the theatrical releases are these blockbusters, these giant films that cost $150, $200 million to make and you know, have the full might of the company behind them promotionally, where, where Disney used to make you know, uh, smaller films, you know, the, the, as you said, the programmers, you know, that the, the 20 and or $30 million movie that was aimed at the family market. 
Me personally, I'm looking forward to seeing Noel because it kind of reminds me, it gives me that sort of Santa Claus vibe, mm-hmm. which, uh, by the way, again, doing research uh, for today's show, it turns out today, November 11th, is the 25th anniversary of the release of that Tim Allen movie, which, I, and again, given that, you know, Disney will celebrate an, you know, the anniversary of an envelope being opened, I'm, I'm kind of startled that... You know, given all the hype last year with uh, the the 25th anniversary of Hocus Pocus, that no love for Santa Claus? Yeah, Um, that is sort of weird. It also makes me feel very old because I remember seeing that movie in the theaters. Um, I love that movie. I think it's great. Well, but Um, what's so fascinating is that it was only made for $22 million. And, and, and in fact, originally it was made for Hollywood Pictures. It was supposed to come out through that end. Um, but the studio, you know, watched the finished footage and was like, wow, holy crap, that's pretty good. And they turned around and gave the production team an additional million dollars to do a, 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 a better score for the film and to throw some more digital effects into it. And then they turned around and gave them, you know, after they moved the picture over to Walt Disney Pictures... They basically spent as much as they spent on the movie to promote it. They put together this twenty million dollar promotional campaign, and it, it you know, it became this hundred and eighty million dollar hit, and and hundred forty four million of those tickets were sold domestically. Um, and and of course we got the the two sequels, which I don't like nearly as much as the first one. But I don't know. I mean, you know, that's the thing. You know, something that's affordable can, you know, often be very entertaining, which brings us to our next thing I want to talk about. You got to see in between when we were recording our last show, the this is Warner's home premiere, uh, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Yes. And as you know, mm-hmm. there were those two different kind of like threads of Teen Titans shows. Mm-hmm. And at yep. the end, you, you saw the Teen Titans movie, right, last year? The yeah, Teen Titans go yeah. the movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was that little teaser at the end where the, the other Teen Titans kind of came into their universe. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a follow-up on that little tease. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was ever intended for theatrical release or anything, but it is so good, Jim. You have to watch it. It's on, I think it's on Blu-ray this week. Okay. It's already on digital. Mm-hmm. It is really, really wonderful. It's very entertaining. It's kind of like the Teen Titans version of... Into, uh, into the Spider-Verse. Hmm. You'll see a bunch of different versions of Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. It's really funny. And I was very impressed and very surprised by it. Well, speaking of, of good stuff coming out of Warner's, uh, I just caught uh, d- earlier today the first episode of Green Eggs and Ham, which which Netflix started making available for streaming on November 8th. Uh, you got to see that as well, right? Um, yes, I watched the first episode this morning. Mm-hmm. And, well, I think you were talking about, I guess it's Cartoon Brew that has the great article about, you know, how hard they work to, to sort of replicate the, give that sort of feature quality to, uh, when it came to animation for a television series. And I, I, I have to say, that was one of the things that immediately leaped out at me with mm-hmm. the show, is that it has... Great design. I mean, and it, it looks wonderful, and you know that coupled with the uh, the vocal cast, uh, you know, the, the Michael Douglas is Guy Am I, uh, Adam Devine is Sam I Am, and I, I have to admit, I really get a kick out of Keegan Michael Key. As, I was gonna say he is like the star. I thought 
Well, yeah. it, it was worth it alone for what, what, in the first, what, 30 seconds of the thing? It's like, is that a ninja? You know, and it's just sort of like, I mean, he just immediately sort of pivots out of the traditional narrator role into, you know, he's he is a character in this thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it seems, I mean, I, I think you and I were talking pre-show. It does tend to get a little cutesy. It's uh, a little cutesy, and there's so much, there's so much talking in mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's... That's such a problem with a lot of kids' shows, too, is there's just so much dialogue. I just cannot deal with it. But mm-hmm. uh, we were also talking, like, the amount of models and stuff is amazing. The, like, range of expressions on the characters is oh, really yeah. incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, DuckTales, you know, each duck has about three different kind of <laughs> looks <laughs> per <laughs> for an entire season. So to see this much kind of emotion coming out of the characters is really amazing. So, mm, you know, I did. I, I, I plan on circling back on this one. The problem is that, again, that, that there are 13 episodes and it's just sort of like each of these are a half hour. And they're long. a half hour. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, man, this would be a lot better as an 11 minute thing. Yeah. But I, I, I guess that's the thing. We were, uh, Jared Stern developed it and we've got Ellen DeGeneres executive producing it. So uh, top quality effort. But, uh, you know, uh, and just want to tell you folks, that it's the type of show that. Kids can watch it, and you can sit back on the couch and sort of appreciate it. But, but yeah, thirteen episodes. I'm, I'm gonna have yeah. to find. Well, the did time. you see that Jared Stern is also developing that that show for um, HBO Max that Robert Zemeckis is doing? That it's a kind of like it's kind of a yes. live action animation it, thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, when I was reading the log line on that, do you remember the original pitch for Monsters Inc? Where it was, you know, that the, uh, you know, an, a, a, an adult who was dealing with anxiety, whose mother sent him his childhood sketchbook, and all of the monsters that were in the sketchbook came out, but right. each of them represented an individual fear of his, and as he conquered it, the the monster went back into the sketchbook. What intrigued me about this, at least according to the logline, is that it's kind of the same thing, only instead of anonymous sketches in a, in a sketchbook. These are supposed to be well-known cartoon characters that help him out, right? Yes, sure. yeah. I think it's called tuned, tuned out or something. Yeah, yeah. It's it sounds really interesting. No, I agree. I agree. Def- definitely something to sort of keep an eye on, and and you know, love to see it in finished form. Um, on the other hand, uh, I I know I've beat you up in the past, Drew, for for not watching BoJack Horseman, and you you've been catching a couple of the episodes, right? I have seen a, I've seen a few of the the very first ones, but I am very far from getting caught up. And I know that you just mainlined all the new ones. Oh yeah, and I, well, first of all, folks, I I have to tell you right up front that the bunch that started being available for streaming on October twenty fifth. These are the first eight uh, episodes of season six. Uh, the show is ending uh, in season six. There'll be eight final episodes dropping. On January 31st. And I have to tell you, uh, these are not a great entry point. You know, there is so, this story that Bojack Horseman tells is so involved in so many of the episodes in this uh, first batch of season six reference earlier shows or pay off earlier stuff that I I honestly don't recommend, you know, if if this is where you decide, oh, I'm going to try Bojack Horseman, don't start with this set. You know, go, go back to the beginning and it'll take you a while, but you'll eventually get here. On the other hand, if you're a longtime fan of the show, 
Uh, it's it's amazing writing. It's, it's great stuff. But you know, as the last episode of the eight ran, you, you're filled with such dread because it's it's they are setting up a really brutal run of episodes of the, the last eight to close out the show. I mean, not to give too much away, but Bojack's been in rehab and he's in the middle of this journey where he's trying to do what you're supposed to do post rehab, make amends, apologize to folks. And meanwhile, on a parallel track, every bad decision, every awful thing he's ever done in his life is, is, is kind of suddenly bubbling up to the surface. And it's just sort of like, uh, I'm not looking forward to sitting down on January 31st and, and watching the next date, but but like a car accident, I, I won't be able to take my eyes away. <laughs> so, you oh, know. great, Jim. That's a real winning endorsement. <laughs> there you go. Well, no, I mean, but you know, the weird thing is that sometimes something that's dark can still be, you know, ridiculously entertaining, which which brings to mind just last night, the the, the first episode of, of season five and Rick of Morty aired. And what, what what did you think of that one? I really liked it. I mean, it was really hard. For, it's hard for me to stay awake that late um, mm-hmm. most yep. nights. But uh, so I was sort of dozing in and out, but I thought it was really funny. I loved all the different Ricks that were coming out of the cloning <sighs> portal and you know, all of that and how everyone was a fascist. I love. <laughs> well, and, and I, I have to tell you, folks, this one, especially with this one, you have to stay all the way through the credits, the post credit scene, because it is it's such a gut punch, but such a, of a beautiful cap for, you know, the story they told with that episode. I, I, I looked at this episode and I thought they got a renewal for 70 episodes. And it's just sort of like. Can you do this again for 69 other episodes? Um, you know, it, that- it does make me wonder if they're going to do something a little bit more serialized, something more along the lines of like Gravity Falls that has kind of a, a singular narrative mm-hmm, thrust. Mm-hmm. But again, we only have five of these episodes. So, yeah, yeah. who knows? I mean, yeah. what it's going to be. I don't know. But same thing it's 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 all too late for an old fart like me but but you know i'm definitely dvring this thing and and again on the other hand folks if you you just don't have the stomach for for dark comic material i just read a a book this past weekend uh it's rob polson's voice lessons uh it's subtitle is oh a couple of ninja turtles pinky and an animaniac saved my life uh, and I, I just love this book, Drew. I just, it's, uh, and for those of you who don't know Rob Polson, this is, um, he's the voice of Raphael and the Ninja Turtles. He's Yakko on Animaniacs. He's Pinky of Pinky in the Brain. Carl Weezer on Jimmy Neutron. And, and in, in a really weird twist on, on somebody's career, when they rebooted the Ninja Turtles, Rob switched over to doing Donatello. So it's it's really this kind of lighthearted take on on his career, looking back on you know uh, you know how he transitioned from being a live action actor to to working in voice and all the the greats that he got to work with, and then about two thirds into the book, um, Rob comes down with throat cancer, and it it's this very honest, uh, but at the same time you know really heartfelt and surprisingly humorous discussion of of his journey through treatment in fact and what made it you know especially intriguing is 
as he's going through chemo, as he's going through radiation, this is when Warner Brothers is talking about reviving the Animaniacs. And, oh, interesting. And he literally has to talk to the guys at Warner's and, and, and his friends like Maurice LaMarche and Trice McNell about, you know, hey, um, I, you know, I, you know, I'm dealing with this and I hope to come out on the other side and be able to work. But I don't know. Um, in fact, honestly, Maurice LaMarche comes through and again. Maurice LaMarche is the, the, the veteran voice actor who does the brain. And Rob tells these great stories about how when he's he's going through chemo and it's three or four hours of misery and he's sitting there in a chair and his phone rings and it's like it's Maurice. He says, "Hey, I was just driving by the chemo center. Do you want me to come up?" And and Rob's like, "This is completely out of the way from anything on the planet. Nobody's just driving by the chemo center. He came to hang out." And then the two of them were sitting there. He's you know he's taking the chemo into his arm. And they're making all of the nurses on the floor laugh because they're doing the voices of Pinky and the Brain. And to distract him as he goes to get a Rob goes to this horrible thing. And the real kicker, and I was I was actually thinking of you, Drew, as I was reading the very last portion of the book, because he talks about how just last year he was forced out of his house by one of the fires in, in California. And for 10 days, he didn't know, can I go back to my house? Do I still have a house? Um, and I was thinking about the Barnum fire just this past yeah, weekend. Yeah, that know. was very close to us. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're fine. But it was really weird to see a giant plume of smoke sort of hovering over your neighborhood on a Saturday afternoon. Mm, Not the well, best luck. No, no, no. I agree. But, but anyway, folks. If you're an animation fan, I, I, I recommend uh, you know getting voices. If you if you're, you're dealing with health issues, or you know somebody who is. Uh, I also recommend getting a copy of this thing. It is such a great read. It's it's a relatively quick one. Definitely worth checking out. You know, chasing down for this holiday season. So, anyway, I, I was while we're talking about Warner Brothers stuff, and we're again, speaking of natural disasters. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, there goes that Warner Brothers bag of swag, Drew. I, I hope you're happy. Um, okay, so, you know, as we're prepping for today's show, the trailer for Scoob drops. And what did we think of that, Drew? Scoob exclamation point. Yes, Jim. yes. Yes. Um, well, you know, it's, what's interesting about Scoob, mm-hmm. and I know that we talked about this before, but, but there are all these other Hanna-Barbera characters that have been cast in it. Yep. Tracy Morgan is Captain Caveman. Mark Wahlberg is Blue Falcon. Who's, um, who's, who's doing Dick Dastardly? Dick Dastardly is uh, Jason Isaacs, the great oh, British, okay. British character actor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then none of those characters are in this trailer. So I'm wondering what, I'm wondering if this is just a real teaser mm-hmm. and that we don't really know what, uh, we have in store because mm-hmm. I mean I, I am sort of optimistic. Chris Columbus produced it, mm-hmm. um, and you know I think the animation isn't quite there. I mean it's Real FX, which is a Dallas-based mm-hmm. production company, which we've talked about. I don't know if we've talked about them in the past, but they certainly have an interesting body of work. They do. Um, they do. Um, they. Yeah. So I don't know. What did you think? Well, you see, now here's my problem. Okay, I 
because <laughs> people who've listened to this podcast previously know I went on and on about, oh, the Adams Family, and look how terrible that movie looks, and who's going to go to this film? And, you know, I, I folks, I, I have to apologize, all right? You know, because, you know, just this past weekend, the Adams Family, and again, remember I said, no one's going to the Adams Family after Halloween. And it's done. Uh, still in the top 10, pulled in 4 million. Right now, Adams Family is sitting at 91 million domestic. It's made 63 million overseas, so it's 154 million worldwide. Which, as you know, Drew, with a $30 million budget, that means this is in profit, you know. Uh, and in fact, it, it's quite likely if it can hang in there. And let's face it, you know, the, 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 the family-related screens and the available screening times are going to really start to thin out shortly. What with, you know, Frozen 2 looming on the horizon and all that stuff. Uh, but it, it's quite possible that this thing is going to make $100 million domestic. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we've already talked about the sequel, right? That's our Yeah, thing. yeah. yeah. And, and on the other hand, if you look at Abominable and, you know, and how adorable Everest, the, 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 the Yeti is, mm-hmm. uh, I would have put I would have put solid money on that this was the next How to Train Your Dragon for DreamWorks. That, you know, this was the character oh, yeah. that was going to break through. And uh, last time I looked, the, the domestic box office – for Abominable, topped out at $59 million. That's it. It's dead. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I was going to tell you that I got an email today about the home video release. Oh, and that no. they're positioning it as, this holiday season, cozy up with everyone's favorite Yeti. Jeez. Oh, well, you know, and we, we've, we've talked previously about the whole South China Sea thing and how, you know, it, oh, it's geez. not opening in, in various markets. Yeah. Uh, overseas, it's, it's done $107 million, So box office... Uh, worldwide, 166 million. But yeah, okay. So that that's uh, 12 million dollar million dollars more than Adam's Family has done worldwide. But but the difference is again, Adam's Family costs 30 million to make. Abominable, even with Pearl Studios. Remember that the whole idea of working in China was more affordable. But that's a 75 million dollar production budget. Um, you know, they're going to have to move an awful lot of copies of Cuddle Up With Your Favorite Yeti for this thing to come <laughs> into a profit. Uh, did just, you, did, you never even saw it, did you? No, no. And, and Well, now I know I can, you know, I can you soon wait cuddle a couple up. Weeks. Yeah. I wait a couple of weeks. Um, on the other hand, same thing with The Adam's Family. Did not get to see it in theaters. However, I got a copy of The Art of Adam's Family, which, uh, again, uh, written by... Uh, Raman Zayed, uh, who does you know, wonderful work with, with art of books. You, you probably know him from the stories that he writes for Animation Magazine. But I, I have to admit, I got, a, I got a, a much deeper appreciation for what at least what they were trying to do with Adam Simley. In fact, the, the whole pudgy look of Gomez, for example, for, for the movie, that comes straight from the New Yorker cartoons. Um, so because I judged... Uh, the Adams Family, based on its trailers, and got the box office wrong. Now I don't know what to think when I, I see a trailer, which which is why we moved to the next trailer that that came out while we were you and I were away, Drew, and that's Pixar's Soul, um, which I, I I love the look of the older African American. Is he's a trumpet player? What what is yeah, he? Yeah, he's to? like yeah, he's a. I think he's a high school band teacher who wants mm-hmm. to be a jazz musician. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they kind of set up that on uh, on the eve of his big break, he's mm-hmm. trying to get things ready and he dies. And mm-hmm. so his soul 
returns to this cosmic land, and uh, that's where he meets 22, who is the Tina Fey character, Mm -hmm. and they go on this cosmic journey together. So, yeah. But the fact that this is Pete Doctor, and, you know, what he did with Inside Out, well, I think you and I were, when we were pre-gaming today, we were talking about with a with a film like this, which sounds pretty damn ambitious, it's kind of hard to sum up, right? You know, yes, uh, yeah. I mean, everything they showed at D twenty three and looked really, it really looked like Pixar's two thousand one. It mm-hmm. sort of has this grand ambition and all these heady ideas and amazing visuals. Um, and you know, I, I I tweeted out this on on Instagram on on Twitter that uh, mm-hmm. Trent Reznor has started talking about the music for um, Soul, which is really interesting. He's doing the music for the Watchmen TV show, which we are both watching and loving oh, right yeah, now. So yeah. I think that's going to add a whole dimension. And there's some other stuff I've seen that I can't talk about yet. But um, yeah, I think it's really going to be something special okay. for sure. Okay, yeah. and. In theory, the trailer that's out today is the one that's going to be in front of Frozen 2 next week, right? Yeah, or? so there, yeah, there's going to be an Onward and a, and a Soul uh, trailer on Frozen 2. So, yeah. Well, I, and then speaking of which, that, that when we get back from this, our next commercial break here, Drew is going to get to share. Gonna, he's seen the whole film, folks. So I've seen it twice be, now, Jim. I've seen oh, it twice. You're killing me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with, with info on Frozen. And we're back. Uh, uh, but again, before we get started here, Drew, I, again, you shared a story earlier today about uh, how you finally got around to seeing Angry Birds 2 and were, were almost startled by how much you liked it. Or? I was really impressed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I encourage you to watch this whenever okay. you can, Jim, because okay. it is really the animation is beautiful. It's funny, way funnier than you'd expect. It's got a really great story. Mm-hmm. You know, the pigs and the birds are teaming up together and. It, it's really it's really cute. I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Really, really great work from Sony Pictures Animation and Imageworks. Just wonderful, wonderful okay. stuff. And I have to ask, because remember, we, we've been talking about Hair Love for a while now. Is is that included with the Blu-ray? Or? You know, I don't know because I, I just got – I took the code out real quick and was watching it on my TV on uh, digitally. So I have to go back and look through the Blu-ray. But I will I will do that before the next show okay. and let you know okay. about Hair Love. But it's not included in the digital supplements. So Okay. And speaking of shorts that you haven't seen yet, I was unaware that this was even in the works. But, but – can you talk a little bit about what Myth is, this new Disney VR thing that, that's sort of tied to Frozen 2? Yeah, from what I understand, it's kind of an interesting prologue that mm. sets up the world of Frozen 2. Some people who saw it told me that it would have made a great intro for the movie. So I don't know if that'll actually ever come about. Like, Do you remember when Pixar did that little short film in front of Tomorrowland, sort of about the, the world and... Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? And they showed it on some theatrical presentations. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen with Frozen 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it was, yeah, it was very interesting that they just kind of announced it, like, out of the blue a couple of weeks before the movie comes out. But mm-hmm. I'm really excited to watch it. I'm going to go to the studio in a few weeks and check it out and report back on it. Um, no, no, this it, is the same guy who did uh, Walt Disney Animation Studios earlier VR project, uh, Cycles, right? Yes, which I saw, I think, a year or so ago, which mm-hmm. I really loved. Mm-hmm. And there's a flat version coming out that is going to be, that's up for nominations for the Oscars. Oh, 
okay. so yeah, I mean, it, I'm really, really excited. And then we, you know, you everyone's listened to the Frozen Two interviews I did, but mm-hmm. they used VR in the production of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an interesting kind of turnaround. Okay. Um, well, then let's just dive into it. Now, again, Drew's seen this thing twice. I I got to see the charades game as well as the full musical number for Into the Unknown. And I have to oh, say... Oh, what do you think? Well, in context, I think it... You know, I, I, I take back everything I said. <laughs> Boy, this is the Jim admits he's, he's wrong a lot show. Uh, you know, the I, I, I thought you know, when you heard the song all by itself, it sounded like, well, this is the song that Adina Mazel sings to warm up her throat to sing Let It Go. <laughs> um where with the visuals and in the story or, or you know, within the, the, the actual structure of the film, it works ridiculously well. And in fact, I love that little bit in the song where basically she she steps into the magic world, so to speak. And you you get in fact, it's this wonderful tease for everything that she experiences for the next hour. You know, if you're actually paying attention to the images that blip by her. You know, in fact, what's interesting is the word I keep hearing from a lot of folks in regard to this film is ambitious. Oh, yeah, it's really Mm -hmm. um, it's really amazing. And it's it's much darker. It's more mature. The themes are a lot uh, deeper. Um, Mm -hmm. The plot is a little complicated, and I'm worried that Mm -hmm. children will have trouble figuring it out. I think I've got a pretty good grasp of it after seeing it twice. Um, Mm -hmm. But it it's really really impressive, and the songs are amazing. I mean, Kristoff's song is to die for. You are gonna love it, Jim. It is okay. It is the highlight of the whole movie, I think. Really? Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, how do we talk about this? Um. <laughs> you know, there, there was a lot of talk going into Frozen Two that. You know, a suggestion that, again, in this world of trilogies that, you know, this was film was being created to set up a a later film. Having seen it now twice, is that your sense or? No. And there's even a line at the end where a character says, are we going to be put in mortal danger again? And another character says, no, this is the end, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a very Mm -hmm. definitive way of saying, well, there's going to be no more. But again, there's no way this movie is going to make less than a billion dollars and could even eclipse Frozen, the original Frozen's box office. So who knows? I mean, think about how much those characters have been in circulation since the original Frozen, mm-hmm. between Frozen Fever, mm-hmm. Olaf's Magical Adventure, or whatever, to, yep. whatever the Christmas special was, mm-hmm. their appearance in Wreck-It Ralph two, mm-hmm. the stuff in the theme parks, like let's not forget about the Broadway show, the Broadway show, right? Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's crazy how these characters have been so such a permanent part of pop culture, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, Jim. Okay. Um, without giving anything away, was there 
anything in particular that that surprised you? I mean, well, first of all, the fact that Christoph has the best song, that's kind of surprising. Yeah, um, and, and I actually did a Q&A with Chris Buck and mm-hmm. a bunch of our favorite people, Mikey Jumbo, who we love. Oh, um, okay. Yes, mm-hmm. Who was telling some great stories mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a bunch of other people from the from the production. And they said that there was actually an Anna and Christoph duet mm-hmm. uh, in the first part of the movie that got cut, mm. which is sort of interesting. Um, and apparently there was a bad guy there was an actual tangible villain, which this movie does not have, and the first one didn't have really. Uh, although Hans was Hans was bad, but mm-hmm. um, and so I will talk about that after the movie opens because I don't. Want, I think that may be uh, getting into spoiler territory. But the movie is very surprising. Where it goes, mm-hmm. what they encounter is is really is really a shock, and I think will surprise a lot of people. And I was I was very impressed with what they did. Okay. Okay. Well, all right, folks. That that. How about this? We'll we'll promise. We'll give everybody a couple of weeks to to actually see this in theaters, and then we'll we'll do a deeper dive on story choices. And, and, and again, would love to hear about this villain. And Jim, uh, you're going to actually have to see the movie in the theaters. I, you cannot, I will. You cannot I, wait for digital for this. All right. One. I, I I I promise I will actually go out and see this thing. On on the other hand. Um, when it came to Claws, you know, I was I was kind of hoping this past weekend because it was supposed to go into theaters for a week uh, that I'd get to see it. You know, this this wonderful new hand drawn film up on a big screen, and that just wasn't an option up here in in New England. In fact, you know, were you able to catch it down in LA? I mean, it's it's only in no, theaters for there a weekend. weren't that ma- there weren't that many screenings of it, and the um, press day I think was happening. When I was at one of the weddings I was at in the last couple uh, of weeks, so okay. I did not, I have not seen it yet, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very excited to watch it at home on mm-hmm. Friday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what Netflix is doing. Well, are they showing? Are they showing the Irishman or Marriage Story up there at all? Or well, it, you know, the the weird thing is the only place that that I'm aware of that you can go to see, uh, you know, the Irishman right now. You have to drive down to New York, and they've got it in the Belasco. Oh, I walked by the that theater before it was showing because mm-hmm. we went and did, we looked at uh, wedding dresses for my little sister. We went to Kleinfeld's and did the whole say yes to the dress oh. scenario, which was fun. But mm-hmm. I walked by the theater and they have the marquee up. It looks so cool. I, I so wish I could go and see it. So, mm-hmm. Jim, you might have to do that in my place. Go go watch okay. it there. Okay. All right. I will, I will have to. But again, the, the problem with Netflix is just keeping up. I mean... We were, you know, we're putting together the show this afternoon, and and, and you know, as our, Drew and I are picking what we're going to talk about, and you know what goes where in the show. The Netflix announces they've got what this Dino Girl Gakko, mm-hmm. uh, which is a new animated series. Looks like it's aimed at, at small children, but it it bows on the twenty second of this month, and it's twenty episodes. So, which I now have to put behind the thirteen episodes of Green Egg and Ham. And there's new episodes of She-Ra. Did you see that? Those are up. I mean, it, it's impossible. No, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like standing in front of Niagara with a Dixie cup. And it's just, you know, trying to consume it that way. It's just, it's not going to work. Um, so I, I, I promise, folks, we'll circle around to some of this stuff on our, our next podcast. And, and I know as part of the next podcast, uh, Drew and I are going to talk about this terrific new book. Uh, what is it? Natalia Holt wrote. Uh, called The Queens of Animation. In fact, I think we actually, you brought this up on the last show. Yes, I did, yes. And I actually went out the next day and bought two copies, one for me, one for Drew. And I got to tell you, there are stories in this thing 
I have never heard before. <laughs> Uh, it's not exactly the ink and paint book that Disney put no, out a couple no, years ago. No, no, no. And in fact, I, I think a lot of people are going to come away from reading this book, uh, you know, especially when it comes to the nine old men, with, with a very different opinion. Uh, but but uh, but again, we'll save that for the next show. And yes. Uh, and, and in the meantime, Drew, Kendra, they need to hear your voice between now and then. What's going oh, on with Light the Fuse? Oh, well, we had a great interview with uh, one of the sound editors from Mission Impossible 3 last night. That'll run soon. But we're in the middle of the amazing Scott Chambliss interview. And, Jim, I'm going to make you listen to Friday's episode because we talk a lot about Tomorrowland and him shooting in Disneyland and Walt Disney World. That's really, really interesting that you're going to really get a kick out of. Okay. Um, And, yeah, just more, more Mission Impossible stuff. And I'm... I'm sure we'll share some of the Disney Plus stuff I'm, I've written up too. So well, check that out. And speaking of Disney Plus, that that uh, I'm I'm hoping on an upcoming episode of the Disney Dish with Len Testa that we're we're going to get the talk with Leslie Iwerks, uh, the, the who put together the the, the the Imagineering series that they're doing there. Right? Have you managed to see any of those? The oh yeah. yeah, I saw the first two, uh, and I talked to Leslie, and we're going to do. So for sci-fi, I'm going to do, I think every two episodes, we're going to do a re- I'm going to do a recap with her. Oh, great. And talk oh. about it. So, yeah, I'm very curious as to what you'll think. And I'm also very curious as because the second episode ends with Epcot, mm-hmm. basically. So well, I, 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 I'm I, very I, curious I, as to where it's going to go, you know? Well, I, you know, that's, uh, they sent me, the, the PR team, uh, the log lines for the first three episodes. And I have to say, I love how she's framing this thing. You know, in fact, for me, you know, for somebody who's been a fan of Leslie's work forever, for a documentary about her, her grandfather of iWorks or the Pixar story, that sort of thing, the fact that she's finally going to get to move into Ken Burns' territory and oh, tell yeah. long-form stories and, you know, not be, you know, rigidly locked into must tell this entire story in 90 minutes, two hours, I can't wait. And it just, the, the, the way she She's already framing the story, in fact, with with episode three kind of being about, you know, what happens after you go out of Epcot into, uh, you know, uh, Euro Disneyland and how that impacts the choices. That's what that I'm can- that's what I'm wor- curious about. Yeah. How, yeah. how they'll get into that. But but you'll see amazing things like Bob Gurr shooting hoops inside the Matterhorn <laughs> and, you know, stuff that I am like, oh, my I, like, I had no idea that they would ever let this stuff out. You know, mm-hmm. or or the fact that they never even wrote procedures or um, blueprints down until Tokyo Disneyland because they realized they had to send them off to, for somebody else to make. And oh, so yeah. they had all this procedure coming in. But it's, it's almost like an alternate history of Disney where there's this shadow organization that's been working on all this creative stuff the whole time away from the kind of politics of the main company. It, it's really interesting. No, can, cannot wait. Cannot wait to, to check that out. But uh, same thing, it, you know, we, we for other podcasts we got here at Jimmy Leader, we got uh, Marvel Us Disney, the, the podcast I do with Aaron Adams, the, the, the talented gentleman who edits a lot of the shows here. Uh, we've got uh, looking at Lucas with Dan Z. Uh, <laughs> your turn to abuse him now, Drew. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to the Mandalorian premiere, and he's not, so you know, he, can, <laughs> he can kiss my... <laughs> 
Okay. Well, there we go. I, and we also have the I, I Want That podcast uh, with, with Michelle Valladolid, who is still trying to dig out from under all of the info she gathered while she was uh, down at Walt Disney World just last month. And we have Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse, who I am doing an event with down at the Universal Orlando Resort this coming weekend. So, but tell you what, folks, uh, if you like what you've heard here today, uh, do Drew and I a favor. Please head over to iTunes and rate and recommend not only this show, but uh, Light the Fuse, because that helps get ears and eyeballs in our, in our direction. Uh, if you really, really, really like what we've done here, uh, if you get head over to Bandcamp and describe, that would be killer. And now I think I, I should shut up because Drew has to get out the door for the first of like 1,500 screenings between yes. now and Christmas. The right? entire time you're in Orlando, I'll just be at a movie theater trying to cram everything in and not to end the Disney Plus on top of it. So, yeah, it's going to it'll be fun. Please. It'll be a fun okay. few days. Okay, well, enjoy the, the steady diet of popcorn and soda. So, and, but we'll be back soon with another show, folks. So, till then, take care.